Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, September 12th, 2016. Those of you who keep track of these things, you'll note that it is past the 10th of September and the Republican Party did not dump Trump, as one self-proclaimed prophetess claimed that they would. We'll talk about that in a minute. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of really crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up the Bible and compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, Conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curriculum we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. That's generally how that goes, isn't it? Um, to see if what they're saying squares with what God's Word says when we put it back in context, use good hermeneutics, proper exegesis. I mean, so much of what we do here is just kind of like basic reading comprehension and grammar. It's actually kind of sad. And over and again, we see that what these people are saying is not actually sound biblical doctrine. It's not what God's Word says. They're not teaching what Scripture would have us believe. They're, well, twisting Scripture you know, generally uh, scratching itching ears and teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. Now, let's talk about what it is that we are going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We have a few things that we're going to be keying in and keying in on, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have a unified theme for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And because the 2016 Heresy Olympics started on Friday. If you didn't see the opening ceremonies for the 2016 Heresy Olympics, we'll bring you up to speed on that. Um, we have completed three days of competition already in the uh, 2016 Heresy Olympics, otherwise known as the uh, Code Orange Revival. And uh, and so we're, we're going to have to do some time kind of bringing everybody up to speed. And I'm looking at my program notes thinking, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to like get everything in <laughs> Um, for uh, what we're going to have to cover here. So no theme for this week. I don't, I don't really see any episode of Fighting for the Faith having a theme, except for maybe our light episode is the best way to put it. And it's going to take me some time to actually catch up and bring you up to speed on all of the different competitors 
in this year's uh, uh, 2016 Heresy Olympics that um, we will not finish up all of our summaries and then award the medals until a few days after competition uh, winds up. Just <laughs> saying how that's going to go. Anyway, um, so let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. We're going to be uh, checking in or reminding you of uh, Vonda Brewer's um, prophecy that she gave regarding Donald Trump. Uh, the 10th of September of 2016 has come and gone, and she says that God the Holy Spirit told her that uh, that uh, the Republican Party would dump Trump and I think put Jeb Bush on the ticket. That has not happened. That makes Vonda Brewer without any shadow of a doubt, a false prophetess and somebody who should be avoided. In fact, rather than dump Trump, I know many of you have already done that. That's not the point. But what we're going to do is we're going to dump Vonda Brewer and, uh, and you know basically put a marker out there for other people so that uh, they don't come under the sway of her false prophetic ministry. She is not a prophetess. Then we're going to switch gears altogether, and we're going to start to begin to work our way through the competitors for this year's 2016 Heresy Olympics. Not sure if we'll be able to get to, to all three of the competitors today. We may not be able to. In, we may only be able to like take a preview of like two of the competitors, and uh, in, in in kind of strange fashion, and I mean this, uh, Stephen Furtick is has led off the competition, and you know I got to tell you, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I uh, I've listened now to hours and hours and hours of uh, the uh, the 2016 Heresy Olympics, and I'm. I am not impressed with uh, this this Olympics as far as the competition is concerned. In fact, I'm fairly convinced that Christine Kane just phoned it in. I yeah, I know. I I mean, if you're going to be competing in the in the Heresy Olympics, you know, you really need to put some thought into your Bible twisting and you know the things that you're going to be bringing forward. And Christine Kane, no joke, she delivered a message I've heard her deliver before. In fact, one we've covered here. At fighting for the faith, yeah, that's right. It's it's the story of the frogs. Yeah, you know how, how are you? How many more days are you going to choose to live with your frogs? And um, and so, but I don't even know if we're going to get to it. So uh, let's talk about like the competitors so far. Competitors thus far are uh, Stephen Furtick. He led off. John Gray. Now, if you do not know who he is, thinking John Gray. Who's John Gray? John Gray is part of the leadership team of Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church out there in Texas, in Houston. Uh-huh. And John Gray uh, was the, the competitor uh, for night two of the uh, Code Orange revival, also known as the uh, 2016 Heresy Olympics. And what I found fascinating is there's not much mention of where John Gray comes from, so we're going to let everybody know, hey, you need to remember, John Gray is on staff at Lakewood, okay, that's kind of an important thing to keep in mind. And then uh, last night, uh, day three of the competition was Christine Kane, and I, like I've said, she's already she's just kind of phoned it in. And so, um, in honor of the uh, Heresy Olympics, the uh, the Code Orange revival, we've put together a an original song called "The Ten Days of Code Orange," which we will play as our update music today, and probably for the remaining. Uh, you know, for the remaining portions where we're reviewing the um, 
the different competitors. And so we'll see how that all plays out. And again, we'll probably, you know, before we can award the medals, you know, for, you know, the longest narcissetical leap and things like that. I mean, in, you know, the, the greatest twisting of scripture and all the different, uh, you know, categories that we award medals for, um, you know, we're going to have to, you know, at least have some kind of a review of each of the competitors' uh, efforts in order <laughs> to do this. So it's going to be a busy her- heresy hurricane season. That's all I have to say. Busy heresy hurricane season indeed. And in hour number two, we're going to be heading down to C3 Church in San Diego as we listen to Pastrix. Vicki Simpson um, and her message titled, Give God Some Space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with that. That will round out today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We have a lot of ground we need to cover. And since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, that requires us to do this. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. Tilton and Hubaba Kanda, that's our Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. Now, uh, remember a few weeks ago, we played, well, a bunch of different prophecies by people all contradicting themselves, all claiming that God the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, and uh, kind of rising to the top of the list as far as, you know, unique and specific prophecies was Vonda of uh, Heart Hope Ministries, and we call her the Nagging Prophetess, spelled with an F, not a PH. And, um, yeah, that she's really about the money. And, um, well, we noted that she, well, gave a prophecy. Let us review the prophecy she gave a few weeks ago. Here we go. Uh, let's get on to the word of the Lord for Donald Trump. Um, many of you know out there that I have, um, had the awesome honor of the Holy Spirit to share with you that Donald Trump would be a throwaway. Um, I have shared with you um, who would be his replacement. That would be Jeb Bush. Um, He is going to be the replacement. So the Holy Spirit has been on the move. He has been making declaration after declaration after declaration in this this ministry to bring it to you. Now, I bring it to you because I want God to be able to show off. I could very easily keep this to you. Yeah, I mean, clearly God is showing off here. It's September 12th. You know, so she's bringing this this information because God wants to show off. She wants God to be able to do so, but there's a big problem. To myself and just say, oh, well, I knew, but I don't want to do that. I want God to get so much adoration, and I want people to be so impressed with the voice of the Holy Spirit that he's speaking today in modern times. 
today in this time about this U.S. election, that he is speaking, that he knows the future, and he has chosen me, and I am not going to be shy, and I am going to declare it. Uh, And so here we go. On um, September the 10th is when Donald Trump will be dumped. There, yeah, we've gotten past that now. September the 10th, 2016. The Holy Spirit gave me a vision, a night vision dream last night. And in the dream, um, I was watching um, a bunch of older men sit around and it was like they were at a convention. I'm not saying it was a convention, but it was like they were at a convention. And they were stomping their feet like you would at a basketball game. And, and overwhelmingly, I heard this chant, Dump Trump! Dump Trump! And, and one of the old politicians would, <coughs> Dump Trump! <laughs> Dump Trump! Like he didn't want to be seen as the one saying, Dump Trump. And um, it was an overwhelming chant. And then in the next vision, in the night vision dream, I was showing George Prescott Bush a picture, uh, excuse me, a paper, and I said, um, Donald Trump will be dumped on September the 10th, and it will be after a Super Tuesday. And so um, that's the word of the Lord. No, actually, it wasn't the word of the Lord. Donald Trump was not dumped on September 10th, as she claims God told her he would be. And it definitely didn't happen after a Super Tuesday. Um, Yeah, that's kind of a primary thing. And so uh, we can now say with 100% certainty that Vonda Brewer is a false prophetess. And the reason why this failed has nothing to do with the fact that you didn't decree and declare it. It has nothing to do with the fact that you didn't have enough faith to make it happen. It's all Vonda Brewer's fault. According to Scripture, she has spoken presumptuously. If we were living in the Old Testament times in the theocracy of Israel, um, well, for this crime, she would have suffered the, pe- the, the death penalty. Yeah, the state, the, the state of Israel at that time would have had her executed. Yeah, so yeah, we need to dump Von de Brewer. Yeah, Von de Brewer needs to dump her YouTube channel, dump her website, stop selling all of her merchandise, because that's really the reason why she's doing this. Um, she's really scratching itching ears, selling prophetic snake oil in order to make a buck. That's what Vonda Brewer is all about. And she needs to repent, publicly repent, acknowledge that she's a false prophetess, and she needs to seek Christ's forgiveness and mercy, because Christ has even bled and died for this sin of Vonda Brewer's, and she needs to repent and be forgiven. And, and unless she does repent and is forgiven, then there is no hope for her because the person whom she has sinned against is none other than God himself. That's ultimately who she's sinned against. This is a first table, first table sin. Yeah, you have to think about it in in those terms. When we look at the Ten Commandments, there's the first table and the second table. First table has to do with God and our relationship to him. Second table is with each other. This This is a sin primarily and, you know, as its origin, a sin against God himself. And so if she has any desire whatsoever to not have to stand in, the jud- in judgment before God for these false prophecies, she needs to repent and she needs to be forgiven. 
Let us pray to that end. And in the meantime, warn everybody and remind them Von de Brewer is objectively, by all of the standards set forth in Scripture, a false prophetess. She does not speak for God. She speaks for Von de Brewer. And when she claims she's speaking for God, that is all a pretense designed to create the impression that she is a woman of God who speaks with God's authority. Um, yet it's very clear that she doesn't. All right, moving along, we have a song that we've created for in honor of, well, the uh, the 10 days of heresy, otherwise known as the uh, the Heresy Olympics, which is going under the name of uh, the Code Orange Revival. Here's our song in honor of this auspicious event. Here we go. That's right. The 10 days of Code Orange. Yeah, I, 
I think you get the point. So uh, we've made that song available, by the way, over at FightingForTheFaith.com. You can find it there and uh, and listen to it, download it, forward it on to friends via social media. Uh, but keep in mind, if you do that, that might be the last thing you ever do as somebody's friend on Facebook. I'm just saying. So um, what we're going to do before we get into reviewing the different messages, and again, I don't know how many of these we're going to be able to get to today, clearly not three, but um, I wanted to kind of give you an idea of what it is that's kind of humming uh, behind the scenes as far as the assumptions behind the Code Orange revival. And I think that's important because when you think that somebody wants to have a revival and they're going to start a revival, that that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, isn't a revival all about going and telling people that they need Jesus? They need to repent. They need to be forgiven. That's not what the Code Orange revival is about. The Code Orange revival is about the theology known as triumphalism or the theology of self glory. It's all about you doing what is necessary in order to do the steps so you can position yourself in God's sight and receive a breakthrough from him. You don't believe me? Well, here's some of the um, you know, the pregame show, if you would, uh, for night one of the uh, Code Orange revival. Here we go. Most of the times you see code orange, it's used for some kind of an emergency situation. Usually it's like a high urgency situation. But there's one in particular, one definition in particular, and it has to do with volcanic activity. And it it talks about the timeliness of an eruption. And we thought, you know what, that's so perfect for code orange revival. We're talking about an eruption of faith here for the next 10 days. You know, the church, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary earlier this year, and so 10 years of God's faithfulness. Now we're talking about 10 nights of celebrating and believing God for a breakthrough. Believing God for a what? A breakthrough. Huh? This is triumphalism. You know, I hope that um, you're coming with a sense of anticipation and expectation. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, what are you looking forward to? I mean, you're going to be at the Code Orange Revival. What are you anticipating God to do? What kind of breakthrough are you hoping for, or sorry, believing for from him? I just am so excited because we've been praying and preparing, and I'm believing that God's going to bring breakthrough for me personally. Right. Oh, yeah, because you showed up at the Code Orange Revival. God's going to personally bring breakthrough to you. Huh? So for so many that are tuning in online and joining us, I just can't even imagine all that God's going to do. Yeah, it's so true. And there's so many different ways you can participate. We're going to take some time over the next 20, 25 minutes or so before we actually get into the start of the actual work. Yeah, now let me fast forward. I'm going to fast forward to, you know, just some more examples of this, um, you know, this theology. It's This is the theology of triumphalism. Christianity is about you doing things in order to earn from God breakthrough, blessing, prosperity, health. It's all about the temporal, the here and the now. And yeah, I mean, right now, are you struggling in your finances? Has your marriage gone kaput? Is is your job just a, a grind? Yeah, you know, he's starting to get the guy. Oh, well, then you need to come to the Code Orange Revival and you need to be believing for breakthrough. What are you expecting God to do? 
Let me fast forward a little bit. Here's another example. So um, coming all the way from London is your first time. What are you expecting for God to do in your life? Yeah, and this is the man on the street interview. Somebody came all the way from London. What are you expecting God to do because you showed up at Code Orange? As you're here tonight. You're staying all 10 nights, correct? Yeah, that's right. So I'm just, I'm really pumped for God to use. Like, I'm a paramedic back home in London. Um, I really just want to get a new passion to to really go into my patients' lives and in their situations and just bring God's light and, and let God shine through me into those into those situations. That is awesome. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for being. Yeah. So apparently she's coming there because she needs some thing for her, you know, for things to work out well for her and her work and for her to be light and things like that. Okay. All right. Um, and I'll note something here when you watch the pregame show each and every night. What you're going to hear are very explicit well, teachings regarding giving. Here's an example of that. Pretty exciting. And, of course, there are so many different ways that we want you to um, participate throughout the week. You know, one of them, obviously, is with your giving. We want to make sure that when it comes to giving, we trust God with every area of our life, including our finances. And so uh, think of it as a form of worship. And there are a lot of different ways that you can practically participate in worship. Yeah, that's right. And and we try to make it so simple. If you want to be connected to this ministry, one of the easiest ways to do that is in your the area of your finances and generosity. And you can give in so many different ways. You can give online. You can give on our app. If you have that downloaded, make sure you download that. You can also text to give to the number on the bottom of this screen. And we just love to see the ways that God is going to come through and bless you when you're faithful to him in the area of your finances. Mm-hmm. So apparently God's going to come through for you, and he's going to bless you if you give money to uh, <clears throat> Elevation Church in the Code Orange Revival, which kind of begs the question, are God's blessings for sale? Is God sitting there up in heaven going, yeah, you know, I really want to bless you. I want to give you some breakthrough, but... Yeah, I need you to first pony up. Yeah, you need to give money to uh, to Stephen Furtick and the Code Orange Revival because if you don't, you know, I I don't I'm not sure if I can actually really come through for you. Yeah, I, I may not be able to. Yeah, more examples of this on the other side of the break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. More coverage of the 2016 Heresy Olympics, also known as the Code Orange Revival. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
deep in the Alpha Australian wilderness and also in the typhoid-infested waters of the Bongo River. Captain Worthington and his ragtag group of men have found themselves to be hopelessly lost, surrounded by the vicious savages of the Hibuku tribe, and now the TP has run out. It's been 27 days without food, and Private Jenkins doesn't care. Oh, do shut up, Nigel! We don't need you narrating every little thing that goes on. It's bad enough already. We don't need you reminding everyone about it. Sorry. Now, gentlemen, the hour is dying. There's not much hope of us getting out of this predicament with our lives or sanity. What are we going to do, Captain? Well, we can do one of two things. We can either die in a blaze of glory, charging the Hibuku tribe in battle, or sit on the riverbank saying to ourselves, Oh, mommy, mommy, please make the bad people go away. I vote for the second one. Shut the noise, you pansy! Now, Captain, I have an idea that might just save our hides from the impending doom on the other side of the tree line. Well, out with it, man. Out with it. I happen to have, in my possession, a copy of Zondervan's latest book, The Grimoire of Modern Prayer. Well, that's excellent news. We have TP again. <laughs> Woo-hoo. No, no, no. We're not using it for that. Then what exactly are we using it for? Uh, it says this. With this volume, you can command and control the very will of God with relative ease. Oh. <laughs> Are you sure we can do that? Well, the, the book says we can. Is there any proof? Well, Stephen Furtick did write the introduction where he explains how it's changed his life. Well, um, h- how does it work? Simple. We can choose from any one of these prayers. Captain Worthington, Habukutra, approaching! Blasted! Perkins, get your act together and start reading from that book. It's our only chance. I don't know which one to read first. Uh, which ones do you have to choose from? Well, there's the Ascenting uh, Prayer, the Circle Maker Prayer, the Prayer of Jabez. The, the Circle One. Let's go with that one. Okay, the book says to draw a circle around what you're praying for. Well, that's us. Quick, men, draw a circle in the dirt around us. Step two, begin to pray for whatever it is that you're in need of. I really want Ferrari. A Ferrari. You nitwit, we need protection. Now pray, audaciously. Oh, Lord, we are not going to leave this circle until you rescue us from our enemies. Amen. Thank God, Nigel! Are you sure? Pretty sure. Unless he can breathe without his head being attached to his neck. Oh, dear. Well, there goes our narrator. What are we going to do, sir? Well, the circle prayer didn't work, so let's try something else. Packins! Working on it, sir. I, I think I got it. <laughs> I, I don't believe it, sir. The Hubuku the tribe didn't have catapults. Jumping Jehoshaphat. This next prayer had better work, Perkins. This one will work. It's the, uh, it's the Sun Sand Soap prayer. What good will that do? It's in the middle of the night. Doesn't matter what you think. This is sure to work. We just have to have audacious enough faith to ask God for the impossible. You heard the man. Get praying. I still want a Ferrari, a pet raptor, no debts. Ooh, and better sex. You're just not getting this, are you? Captain, they, 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 now, 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 And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. 
Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Liturgical art is a beautiful expression of Christ's great love for us. I'm Kelly Schumacher, founder of Anya's Day Arts, and I would like to help you learn about liturgical art and the beauty it portrays as you view it through paintings, drawings, sculptures, and altarpieces. I'm available to speak with your group. My website is anyusdayarts.com, A-G-N-U-S-D-E-I-Arts.com. All right, we're back. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church, especially if they're preaching triumphalism, otherwise known as the theology of self-glory. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. You can partner with us. This is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. And when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you pick every month. That's right. There's four ranks in our crew. Uh, lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95, Master Gunner $49.95 a month, and Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Everybody who joins our crew, we will send you some of our bake sale items as our way of saying thank you. Uh, Powder Monkeys get one of our bumper stickers and one of our die-cut Cairo flag stickers. And then Gunner's Mate and above, we will send you the copy of our new card game, Reformanda, as our way of saying thank you. We cannot promise blessings, prosperity, health, or anything like that uh, by supporting us. But we can promise this, that we will pay our bills and continue to fight for the faith in the goal, in the goal of helping to set people free from false doctrine and false teachers. That's what you know, our, our commitment to you. So that's why it's a partnership. You help us financially. We keep doing what we're doing. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. Let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we are going to return now to kind of the pregame show for the Code Orange Revival so that you get a, a pretty good idea 
of what it is that they're saying. They're literally teaching that, you know, you need to show up expecting that God is going to give you breakthrough. And so the whole premise behind their revival is, well, you show up expectant with expectant faith. You contribute to them and then, you know, and show God that you're faithful in your finances. And then God's going to uh, give you breakthrough and things like that. Here's Holly Furtick uh, giving the answer to her question. You know, what are you expecting God to do? Uh, you know, in the uh, Code Orange revival. Here we go. 25. 25. Um, what are you looking forward to about the revival? I just um, expecting God to speak to me personally. Yes. Yeah, so God's going to speak to you personally. Okay. Um, I love watching God speak to people around me. Right. Uh, I love hearing stories of people who've come from near and far. That's right. Waited in line. There was a, I met the first people who were in line were got in line at uh, 2.15 today. All right. So the first people got in line. So what is she expecting? You know, what she's expecting God to speak to her. That's what she's expecting. Okay. Well, uh, moving to the next marker in our, you know, kind of note here and in, you know, just st- statements being made, you know, and here's another one months ago we celebrated our 10 year anniversary as a church and now we're kicking off 10 nights of revival where we're believing that god's going to bring breakthrough in so many areas in our church and in individual lives so thank you for joining us yeah so god's gonna give us breakthrough you know because that's apparently you know what revival is all about it's all about receiving breakthrough from god one more quote and i think that will kind of make the point as to what it is that they're teaching you know you show up at the Code Orange Revival, expecting, you know, breakthrough, and that's what you're going to get. So this is all about breakthrough. Welcome to Code Orange Revival. we got about two minutes, maybe less than that, before we get things underway here and start the actual experience. We're really excited. Yeah. And you know what? Code Orange Revival is about a breakthrough in your life. It's about coming into God's presence. It's yeah. about God doing something very specifically in your life. And yes, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of guests here. We're going to. Have- yeah, that's kind of vague, but there you go. That's the whole premise behind their revival. It's all about God giving you a breakthrough in some part of your. Um, yeah, you kind of get the. It's like, whoa, what on earth are they talking about? And that's really the issue. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and we're going to um, listen to Stephen Furtick, who is contestant number one in this year's 2016 Heresy Olympics. And, um, you know, we'll kind of note some of the things that he was talking about. And uh, and one of them is is just kind of just strange, but we'll kind of throw it into the mix because we're going to have to sort this all out, if you would. And so uh, our first one is Furtick talking about opening up the atmosphere. Here's Furtick. And I want to read you my scripture text for my sermon. And the Lord has been speaking to me about our first night together. So the Lord, he's getting direct revelation from God. And I believe that what he wants to speak tonight will open the atmosphere for miracles, signs, and wonders to occur in your life, your family, your business, your, your church, your neighborhood. Huh, let me back that up. That's So the breakthroughs are really about miracles. We'll hear him saying again. And I believe that what he wants to speak tonight will open the atmosphere for miracles, signs, and wonders to occur in your Uh-huh. So what God wants to say through the Court Orange Revival night one is going to open the atmosphere 
for miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh huh. Family, your business. For your family, your business. Yeah, you know, your finances. Your church, your neighborhood. My mom tells me that when I was a little boy, she used to catch me in my room with a globe pretending to be a weatherman. And she said that that's all I wanted to be when I grew up was a weatherman. She said the only two things I really ever wanted to be when I grew up was to be a weatherman and a preacher. Well, tonight I get to be both. I get to tell you that the reign of God is about to fall on the dry places. Uh-huh. So the reign of God's about to fall. He's a weatherman now. The reign of God's going to fall, you know, because God's going to open up the atmosphere. You know? Did you come with expectancy for a breakthrough? So you'll notice here, this isn't revival in the sense of repentance, the forgiveness of sins, people abandoning their false doctrine, their idols, their sins, and trusting in Christ and bearing fruit and keeping. That's not, no, that's not the revival. No, this is, you, you got to show up you expecting a miracle in your family, your finances, your business, your, right. This is triumphalism, the theology of self-glory. And here's the thing. God, in his word, nowhere promises that if you show up at the Code Orange Revival or even at your local church with an expectancy that he's going to give you breakthrough, that he's going to open up the atmosphere of heaven and give you miracles and signs and wonders in all of the areas in your life where you're exper- experiencing difficulty and hiccups and you know challenges and things like that. Nope. Scripture nowhere teaches that. So he's making promises for God that God does not promise. And as a follow-up, I would recommend listen to the episode of Fighting for the Faith that we recently did about you know those who are peddling victory technologies. This is an example of that. Stephen Furtick and the whole Code Orange revival has as its premise, you follow the program, you show up with expectant faith, you put money in the bucket or hit the online giving thing, and then God's going to start doling out breakthrough and blessing and miracles in your life. That's what the Code Orange Revival is all about. Now, let's take a listen to, uh, you know, portions, a large swath of uh, Stephen Furtick's uh, opening act, if you would, uh, the the first co- the competitor in his own, you know, he's hosting these, the, uh, the 2016 Heresy Olympics, Here's his uh, message on the rhythm of revival. We will not be re- reviewing this in its entirety, but noting with some of the things that he's doing. Here we go. I want to speak to you tonight on the rhythm of revival. The rhythm of revival. And on your way to your seat, would you ask the person next to you, do you have the rhythm? You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. I think it's really cool how our church has so many different kinds of people that come. That really blesses me. If you ever catch me just looking around in between my sermon points, it's not because I'm stalling or lost in what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I'm just drinking you in with my eyes. The variety of your loveliness. All kinds of people come to church here and at our different locations. And that's pretty cool to me. I'm a young man, but I have 
had the privilege to preach in different places all over the world. And I have noticed that every culture has its own rhythm. So I've had the privilege to preach in Kampala, Uganda. I've had the privilege to preach in Colombia, South America. I've had the privilege to preach in Calpin, South Carolina. And how many know that the rhythm in Kampala and Colombia is a little different than Calpin's? And it's funny because even in different churches, sometimes you'll hear them sing the same song, but just with a different rhythm. One song we used to sing. How many of you love the old? So notice he's not leading off with a biblical text. No, not at all. No, 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 no. It's, it's something about rhythm. I've got rhythm. I've got... Never mind. Old songs. Maybe you grew up in church and, you know, like those old hymns are great. And some of those old uh, choruses, worship choruses from back in the day. This is for the churchy people, but we used to sing at Santee Circle Community Church. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Now watch what's happening right now. I want you to observe. The rhythm of this congregation is completely confused. Because we have different cultures represented in our revival. And I don't mean to be divisive or offensive, but just even, you don't even have to go to different nations. Black people and white people, even in America, clap differently. It, uh, I'm not saying one is wrong and one is right. It's just different. So when I started singing that just a minute ago, when I said, what a mighty God we serve. The, see, stop. I'm using it for an illustration. The, the white people, they started, do you have like a microphone stand or something? Because I need to use my hands. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the white people... We're clapping, technically speaking, on the one and the three. So if you're sitting next to a white person, when I said, what a mighty God we serve, they start clapping, but they start clapping, right? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty... That's the one and the three. That's So watch this. It's like... One, two, three, four. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. But if you're sitting next to, let me be politically correct, an African-American person. When I said, what a mighty God we serve, they instinctively began to clap on the correct beat. Which is the two and the four. So they started singing like this. What a mighty God we serve. It's a whole different thing. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. All right. Now I'm going to fast forward. I think you get the point. This becomes the governing metaphor for his entire um, sermon, which is, it, it really is a mess. So let me fast forward just a little bit. 
We continue. But, but, but turn to your neighbor and say, different culture, different rhythm. And one's not bad, one's not good, but the prophet Isaiah is pointing out a discrepancy between the rhythm of the thoughts, intentions, and imagination of God and the response of his people. In the 55th chapter of Isaiah's prophecy, the captives to Babylon have returned to Jerusalem, but there's work to be done and God's people are in need of revival. All right, so notice, uh, you know, he's not letting the text speak for itself. No. He's already interpreted the text through the lens of cultural rhythm or the rhythm needed for revival. And the question is, is he rightly handling Isaiah 55? Because they've gotten out of rhythm. Uh, Huh. Yeah, all right. They're clapping on the one and the three. And God is trying to put them on the two and the four. And God says, I'm frustrated with my people because I can't get my people to move to the beat of my heart. And God is trying to get his people to move in rhythm. All right. Now, this is going to require us to, before we go any farther, take a look at Isaiah 55. And I know the portion where he's going to go to, and we're going to apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis. They are context, context, and context. And we're going to put this all in context. We're going to read Isaiah 55, the whole chapter. And we're going to see if we can note some of the things that are going on on a cold read by just putting it back into context to see if we can see if the data points are matching up. Yeah, that's going to be your first clue as to whether or not he's rightly handling the text is if you go back, put it in context, you can see, okay, yeah, I see what he's saying here. Although he's trying to be culturally relevant and say what scripture says, but use modern lingo and terminology and metaphors and stuff like that. The the two actually work and he's rightly handling the text. Let's see if that's the case. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So you notice, there's gospel right in here. This is allusions to the mercy, grace, gifting of God and his salvation, his mercy, his things, okay? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to Yahweh that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Great passage. Amazing text. And what is it teaching us? Well, it's teaching us of God's mercy, calling us to repent of our sins, forsake our wickedness, and God is the one who has compassion on us. And he even notes how his word is like rain and snow that comes down from heaven and doesn't return void. So his word, in much the same way, he sends it forth to accomplish the things for which he sends it. So great passage and you know, working on the seek the Lord while he may be found, verse 6, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to Yahweh. You can think of repent is, you know, is really what this idea is. Let him re- repent and return to the Lord that he may have compassion, forgiveness on him and our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So there's the gospel, clear as a bell, repentance, forgiveness of sins, forsaking of wickedness, all of the normal things and themes that you would expect to be preached on in a revival. But unfortunately, that is not at all where Stephen Furtick goes. We continue. And Isaiah appeals to nature, knowing that the culture of heaven and the culture of earth are so different. And if the culture of earth could ever get in rhythm and in syncopation with the culture of heaven, then his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth. Did anybody come to revival to get in the rhythm of God? Um, what? It's it's as if he's referring to a totally different teaching than what I just read from Isaiah 55. Get in the rhythm of God? What? Let me back this up. Syncopation with the culture of heaven, then his kingdom would come. And uh-huh. So if you get in the syncopation with the culture of heaven, then his kingdom would come. In other words, well, things would get better in your finances, your work, your your relationships, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And his will would be done on earth. Did anybody come to revival to get in the rhythm of God? To move like he moves and speak like he speaks so you can see what he spoke come to pass in your life. I- 
so that you can see what he spoke come to pass in your life? What on earth is he talking about? I feel extra anointed to preach to y'all tonight. We might as well set it off on night one. Touch your neighbor and say, catch the rhythm. God says, when I give, you give. I gave my son, give your life. Whoa. Whoa, man, talk about a heavy-handed guilt trip regarding the gospel. What was that? That, was a pre- that wasn't the preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Listen again. God says, when I give, you give. I gave my son, give your life. When I love, you love. But... Uh-huh. Confusion of law and gospel in the extreme. Wow. Okay. <laughs> He's trying to make a beat now, a rhythm. And we get stuck in the wrong rhythms. The Lord was very clear with me that he said that tonight on night one of the revival, he wanted to get you in a new rhythm. Uh, Did you catch that? Direct revelation right there, folks. Direct revelation. Listen again. The Lord was very clear with me that he said, that tonight on night one of the revival, he wanted to get you in a new rhythm. Uh-huh. God told him this. Yeah, so God told the revivalist, Stephen Furtick, that he wants the people to get into a new rhythm. If you challenge this, if you question this, oh, you are questioning God himself. See, it's not that you don't love God. That's not why your spiritual life has felt kind of weak lately or... Nondescript. It's not because you don't have a desire to serve him. It's just that. Uh, yeah. So apparently you, you do already love God with all your heart. Uh-huh. Right. You know, some of us, <laughs> we have better rhythm inside than we can express. Some of us are really good dancers in our minds. <laughs> yeah, that, that that wasn't a demonic cackle. I don't know what that was. <laughs> because we can feel the rhythm, but it is an entirely different thing to feel the rhythm than it is to express it. And so God is trying to get you in the rhythm, a, a different rhythm. No, oh, yeah, that that because Isaiah 55, yeah, you know. That that's that great rhythm prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Yeah, you'll notice he's totally twisted this text. He's trying to get you to switch beats. And so he uses an agricultural example of the seed and the rain, which, of course, is a cycle. Any farmers in the house? Why are you clapping for that? <laughs> it was one guy. I'm proud of him. I figured, I figured you might not relate as much to the agricultural example that Isaiah sets forth here as much as the original audience would have. So I want to break it down a little bit because I use the word rhythm. We're talking about a rain cycle. God says, I'm going to send my word down. And my word is going to do something in your life that is analogous to water. What water does to the seed when it is planted in the earth, my word is going to do. When it comes down in this revival in your life. And I'm going to send my rain in your life to interrupt the rhythm. The dry rhythm. The dragging rhythm. 
Right, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think you're exegeting this text at all. Honestly, I know that by this point in the year, and many of you may be watching this on television or online at a later time, but we're right in the middle of that season where many people are trying to get back in the rhythm. Our kids are going back to school and we're trying to find our rhythm. And we came to revival because we we don't want to be stuck in the same old rhythm. You know the rhythm I'm talking about? It's, it's a slow rhythm. It's a so, so you came to revival because you didn't want to be stuck in a rhythm. Uh-huh. It's a predictable rhythm. Get up. Get dressed. Get paid. Go home. Oh, you mean the rhythm of serving my neighbor in the vocation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. That's the great way to do my good works. Why would I be complaining about that? Get up. Get dressed. Get paid. Go home. Get up. Get dressed. Get paid. Go home. But I believe God brought you to a revival to interrupt that rhythm. Why would he? Because that's the rhythm of the good works that I do for my neighbor. That dry rhythm. That dead rhythm, that dragging rhythm, that head hung down, not excited. Now notice, this isn't, he's not here to set you free from sin, death, and the devil, and the consequences of our rebellion against God, ultimately being fire and hell and the lake of fire. No, 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 no. Christ has sent you to revival to set you free from the doldrums of a suburban American life. Yeah, I I don't think that's what Christ is trying to set us free from. I did about anything, just trying to survive to get to Friday. We came to church on a Friday night because we want a new rhythm and we're not going to let complacency call our cadence anymore. Oh, no. Come on, touch three people, say get in the rhythm. The rhythm of revival. Huh, so we need to get into the rhythm of revival. You know, the, the world has a rhythm, a rhythm of fear. Watch the news, get scared. Watch the news, get scared. Get scared. Terrorists. Trump. Terrorist. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Trump. <laughs> Trying to scare you to death. Just a, a rhythm. And what I love about the word of God is that when it comes into my life, it interrupts that rhythm. That's why Jesus was telling his disciples before he left. In the world, you will have trouble. It's the way it's been since the beginning of time. And it's the way it's going to be. So the trouble means suburban challenges of, you know, 
the doldrums of a middle class life and career and things like that. But take heart just about the time that it seems like evil has overcome and darkness has won the day. Take heart for I have overcome the world. What you talking about? On the third day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ interrupted the rhythm of death, hell, and the grave bringing life to all who would believe and call on his name and whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, notice. So, yeah, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is true. But this begs the question, based on what it is that we're hearing, saved from what? Um, what exactly am I being saved from? Boredom of being, uh, you know, a middle-class American? Of living, you know, in a tract home? You know, out in the burbs? Of, you know, commuting to work every day in a mid-sized Japanese sedan? <laughs> you know, what exactly is Jesus saving me from? Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, and uh, no, I'm going to note the fact that, um, that well, this changing of rhythm, you know, of, uh, of applying the new rhythm, that this is the thing that's going to produce results. Here, here again is verdict. So I just wonder, tonight, yeah. what rhythm you find yourself in? Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I wake up, I listen to heresy, okay? I note certain heretics and heretical things said, put information into a database, produce a program, listen to more heresy, record program, post-program, go to bed, listen to more heresy. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a rhythm here, yeah. I see in Isaiah chapter 55... You do? A rhythm of revival. Uh-huh. Okay. I just read the whole chapter. I'm not seeing it. And I want to present it to you because it's very, very simple okay. and very, very practical. And it produces results. Uh-huh. Again, notice here, triumphalism. Mm -hmm. This He's selling a victory technology. And, oh, boy, he is, he's selling it. Okay. You need to uh, stretch out with your faith and trust God in the area of your finances and sow a seed into, uh, into Elevation Church. That's the expectation. And you will hear that language used specifically uh, in you know, upcoming installments of the 2016 Heresy Olympics. But notice what he's saying here. No, this is, he guarantees it's going to produce results. Let me back it up. Listen again. And I want to present it to you because it's very, very simple and very, very practical. And it produces results when you get in the rhythm. The first thing that he mentions is receiving. Would you write that down if you're taking notes? Just write down receive. And after you've had the opportunity to write it down, just say out loud, Lord, I receive your word to me. All right, so you want some results? Yeah, you want to get out of the doldrums of a middle-class suburbanite lifestyle? Well, first thing you do is you receive the Word of God. Step one. He says, as the rain falls from the heaven and waters the earth, the earth has a responsibility to receive the rain. That's ridiculous. Okay, notice here, he's turned this into a law step. Mm-hmm. The law, God's law, is the thing that you must do. 
So there's the earth minding its own business and and God is going to send rain over the earth and now it is the earth's responsibility to go, oh, whoa, there's rain coming. I got to go and position myself to receive the rain. No. Wrong. Rain is God's work. He sends it and the receiver does nothing. Listen again to what he's saying. He says, as the rain falls from the heaven and waters the earth, the earth has a responsibility to receive the rain. And I don't wonder whether God will speak over the course of this revival. I wonder whether our hearts will be open to receive what he speaks. Yeah, so far, um, you're twisting God's actual words. You're actually garbling the message that God would send, and you would have done far better if you had just read out Isaiah 55 in its entirety and exegeted it correctly, because then God is really speaking. And by quoting portions of Isaiah 55 out of context, setting the stage for it interpretationally without any, without even reading it, without any eye towards what was actually said and what it meant, You've twisted the written word of God, thereby making it so that God is not actually speaking. You're speaking for him. It is my experience in pastoring people that usually we are selective receptors of the word of God. I even heard some people ask... Weird, coming from the guy who has selectively preached only a portion of Isaiah and already majorly twisted it. ...asking me on social media, and I'm not mad at you, but I'm not answering you because they wanted to know who's speaking on what night. And here's what I want to say back when they say, who's speaking? Who cares? Who cares? I, I've come to the point in my life where I don't care what kind of package the promise is wrapped in. I just want God to speak. What promise? You know, you look at the list of people who are speaking at the Code Orange Revival. It reads like a who's who of Bible twisters and people who we've covered here at Fighting for the Faith who do not faithfully handle God's word, but habitually twist it, scratch itching ears and teach for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. Huh. You know, I mean, John Gray works for Joel Osteen. He preaches at Lakewood. And Joel Osteen's Word of Faith heresy shows up in spades in his uh, Code Orange revival speech. Christine Kane of Hillsong. You know, she shows up regularly here because she habitually twists God's Word. Joyce Meyer is another who is preaching at the Code Orange Revival this week. Need I go on? We continue. God, you can speak to me through anybody. They don't have to look like me. They don't have to have a style I'm familiar with. If your word comes forth, I receive it. Yeah, but all of these people you pick for the Code Orange Revival twist God's word so God's word doesn't come forth. Whoever you want to speak it through, if they're if they're a teacher, if they're a preacher, if they're loud, if they're soft, I'm not addicted to a style. I want the substance of the word of God in my life. 
if you wanted that, you would have picked a totally different group of preachers for your revival. So the question isn't, will God speak? It's, will you receive it? Because the rhythm of revival begins with ground that receives the rain. So step one, you got to, you know, posture yourself to receive the rain. I'm going to fast forward a little bit as Furtick continues with this idea of the rhythm of revival through his twisting of Isaiah 55. They're receiving what God wants to do in their life. They're posturing themselves for the promise of God to come to pass. And for it to come to pass, you've got to receive it. You got to posture yourself for what God wants to come to pass. Listen again. They're posturing themselves for the promise of God to come to pass. And for it to come to pass, you got to receive it. Ah, so you, if you want the promises of, you know, uh, salvation from a suburban, you know, lifestyle, you, you got to posture yourself to receive, you know, the promises. <laughs> uh huh. I wish I was making this up. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. Hit that snare drum, Dom. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. You know, that's, that's not quite a beat yet. <laughs> I think we need something else for the rhythm. How about you? Because we got to receive... And then respond. Receive. And then respond. This is the rhythm of revival. It's not just God, I'm going to hear it. Some of you have heard more sermons than Moses. Now notice, you're responsible for the receiving and then you, you got to respond, you know. But it's not just this, because watch, if, if all I ever do is receive, 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 receive. Oh, I like Hillsong and Bethel and gospel music and I like TBN and Daystar and online and podcast and streaming. And I want to hear my word. That's not a rhythm that produces revival. Yeah, no, you can't produce revival with that rhythm. No, yes, you got because Isaiah 55. Yeah, by the way, it doesn't teach this rhythm, does it? That's a rhythm that makes you fat, lazy and ineffective in the kingdom of God. You just eat, 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 eat. Touch your neighbor and say, walk it out. Every once in a while, you got to take what you heard and not just hit the snare again. Receive, 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 receive. But put something with it. Receive, respond, receive, respond, receive, respond, receive, respond, receive, respond, receive. Respond. Yeah, so apparently, I mean, it's by getting in sync with this um, revival rhythm that you are going to have, it's going to produce results in your life. Oh, man, he guarantees it. Let me fast forward a little bit more. Receive, respond, receive, respond. Get in the rhythm, receive, respond, receive, respond, 
Receive. We'll call this the receive, respond, revival rhythm rap. Respond, receive, respond. Every night of revival, I want you to go home and take one thing from the sermon and do it before the next day. Because if you come back and didn't do the last thing that God told you to do, it won't matter if you come back and get more notes for your notebook or highlight it. Notice this rap. It's all law. Law, law. It's your responsibility to receive, your responsibility to respond, your responsibility. And this is the rhythm of revival so that you can get results. Uh huh. That's not what the Bible teaches, is it? Your Bible with green, red, and orange. When you get to heaven, a highlighted Bible won't get you more jewel in your crown. I didn't work this out before I came. But you can understand that I'm trying to say we didn't just come to hear the word of God. I want the word of God to fall in my life and make I'm going to have breakthrough now, man. I'm receiving and responding and repeating. And, and oh, yeah, it's the rhythm of revival. It produces results. And now I'm going to be set free from tedium and... um. having to go to work every day for a paycheck. Yeah, down with the corporate man. Jesus has set me free. And this is not the gospel. He's not preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He's not calling people like Isaiah did, just a few verses ahead of where, where he started, to repent of their wickedness, turn from it, and God would pardon them for their sins. So Stephen Furtick uh, led off the uh, 2016 Heresy Olympics, which again, it's kind of bad form, if you ask me, I mean, for the host to actually lead it off. But, you know, he wanted to compete, and so he wanted to set the bar high, and ironically, as far as like you know effort goes into bible twisting and all this kind of stuff i mean this wasn't even like really good narcissism on his part i mean i've seen him do better so i i don't think he set the bar really high at all except for he truly did set a false expectation in the hearts and the minds of everybody who showed up to the revival oh it's all about well expecting breakthrough and expecting to hear directly from god and and for him to speak to you, I mean, after all, it speaks to Pastor Furtick. And, you know, and so you're, you're, it's going to give you results, man. God's going to set you, and he's going to save you from a suburban lifestyle. Yeah, wow, that was um, <laughs> unbelievably bad. But I think you get the point. And like I said, as far as heretical, um, you know, competition goes... You know, if if you were to kind of put this into like the gymnastics category, you remember when they used to score one through ten? Yeah, you remember that? You know, so you know it's like you know the so the judge from North Dakota, you know, gives uh, Furtick, you know, on a scale of one to ten, six and a half. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, granted, he had rhythm points that you know you can add into it, but uh, hmm. definitely not the best performance I've seen from uh, the King of the Narsajits. I think you get the point. We will uh, cover uh, <laughs> Pastor Gray's um, uh, performance tomorrow. Maybe Christine Kane. It all depends, but I think you get the point. 
So what'd you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break, when we come back, we're heading down to C3 Church in San Diego <laughs> about a sermon about making space for God. You know, I don't know what that is in the Bible, but stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Rich Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. All right, we're back. Our number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. Are you making space for God? You gotta give God some space, you know. Not sure what that means, but I think we're gonna find out. Yeah, but let's do this uh, correct. Here we go. Oh. They got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via C3 Church San Diego, Pastrix, 
Vicki Simpson presiding. Oh, by the way, there is no such thing as a woman pastor. The office of pastor, one of the requirements for somebody to fill that office is they must be a man. So already we've got a problem in that C3 Church San Diego is putting Vicki forward as if she's a pastor and she isn't. And that's going to create some problems. And we'll note whether or not she's exegeting God's word or, well, her own delusions of her mind is the best way I can describe it. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Vicki Simpson. share a God thought tonight. You watch the X Factor here. So she's going to share a God thought with us. I'm so glad she's going to do that. The X Factor. Yeah, too, it's nothing like the God X Factor. God's got an X Factor. Do you know what what it's like to live under the X Factor of God? No, I have no idea what you're even talking about. Seeing him do stuff that only he can do. Experiencing that touch on your life that only can come from him. I was having a bit of a whinge to the Lord. Uh, it was a little while ago now. Wine, you call it, don't you? I was whining to the Lord. No one else does that, do they? Nah, you never complain to God? Never. I was uh, just saying, Lord, you know, I really, really want to see you move in my life. Like, I remember times and, you know, just miracles seem to follow me wherever I go. Now, don't get me wrong. Every weekend. I've the- really? Miracles just follow you wherever you go. Wow, you're special. The privilege, preaching the gospel, seeing people come to Jesus, seeing people get healed and delivered. I mean, I see miracles happen every weekend. But I was talking about my own life, you know, like where the rubber hit the road of my own experience. So God, you know. The rubber hits the road of your what? Own experience. Yeah, I don't think we're getting a biblical sermon here. I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I'm feeling like it's a bit same old, same old. And, and, and oh, you need to go to the Code Orange Revival. Yeah, Stephen Furtick will save you from that. All you have to do is change your rhythm. And as I was making this complaint to God, as quick as I made it, it came back to me, well, give me some space. Oh, so we have to make, got to give God some space. Oh, I, Stephen Furtick didn't mention that. Well, give me some space. Now, I'm going to be honest, the only time I hear that is from my husband when he's trying to watch the sport on TV. Usually trying to watch a sport called cricket, which just, just can't yourselves bless America that you don't have cricket in your nation. It is the most boring exercise on planet Earth. I tell She doesn't sound like an embittered spouse at all, does she? I'm telling you, I bet, you know, my husband is emotionally attached to cricket. He, he, and especially to the uh, success of the Australian cricket team. He's up if they're up, but he's not so happy if they're not. So, but anyway, but God didn't mean it like that. Like, give me some space. No, no. You know, how did he mean it? I mean, because it's not in the Bible. So how exactly did he mean it? I mean, since this is a direct revelation from God, we need to put this in our Bibles, you know. No. He, he was giving me a key, and tonight I want to share that key with you. Oh, so God gave you the key about giving him some space. It's not in the Bible, but you're going to share it with people during sermon time at C3 San Diego. Got it. So very quickly, I'm going to show you three ways that you can give God space tonight. First way you can give God space is by removing something that's already there. Removing something. Who, know what, who knows what it is to declutter? 
declutter, spring clean, removing stuff. Yeah. I was in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland a few months ago. And uh, I was actually sharing this, this very revelation. And I started to talk about... Ho- you shared this revelation internationally already. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised it hasn't caught on with more churches yet. Hoarders. Hoarding. There is no word in French for hoarding. The translator looked at me. What do you talk about? What's this hoarding? There's no such a word, no such an idea, no such a concept. Isn't that interesting? Uh, but us guys, Americans and Australians, yeah, we know, we know what we're talking about. People who can't let go of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's some of you here tonight and you can, can make space for God by letting go of some stuff. But- All right. So if you just stop hoarding and let go of some stuff, you can make some space for God. I mean, this is a direct revelation that God gave to Vicky. You know, so you need to start obeying God because God talked to her. And don't you doubt it, man, because then that makes you a hater. By removing some stuff that's already there. It might be some stuff in your heart. You know, it might be, you know, some, some, some pent up resentment, some unforgiveness that's been hanging around for a while. I, I don't know, just this might be some relationships that aren't so good for you anymore. We don't like space. This is the thing. As human beings, we get very anxious around this sense of, of, this, of space, of a vacuum. You know, we, 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 sometimes we like to fill it with something bad rather than have it, have it empty. But you know what? God is the ultimate space invader. God's a space invader. That's the first time I've ever heard that. And when we create a space, some of you today, I believe the Lord is going to uh, give you a revelation personally, how you can give God space by removing something that's already there. It might... yeah, you're going to get a direct revelation from God that'll piggyback off of Vicky's direct revelation. This isn't found in the Bible, but I mean, who needs the Bible when God's talking to you directly, you know? Very well be something that's not good for you. But you know what? It might even be something that was good for a season but isn't good anymore. Uh, Maybe it's something that you you spend your time doing. Something you give yourself to. I don't don't have the time. I don't have the time to spend time with God. I've got no room for God. Well, you know, maybe it's going to be a case of stopping something else that you're doing in order to give God space. I mean, it's going to be different. You hear all those people in the background, wow, this is so good. This is nonsense. Different for each and every one of us. I'm reminded in 2 Kings chapter 3, there were three kings who went to war against another king. It was a time of drought, and, and this was the situation. They actually traveled through the desert. Seven days in the desert, what do you know? They ran out of water. Uh, this is Stephen Furtick's twisting of this text. Clearly, she's been influenced. I mean, they've got, uh, they've got a, an army there. Yeah, and they need to dig some ditches and stuff, you know. To, to provide for. They, they've got animals. I mean, everyone's dying of thirst. It's, it's a desperate situation. One of the kings was... Why don't you read the text in context and show us your skill at exegesis and maybe the biblical languages and stuff? There was a king called Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat says, we need to consult the prophet. We're in a desperate situation. We need, we need to consult the prophet. So they go to the prophet Elisha. And he, he says this to them. 2 Kings 3, verse 16. He said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. 
make this valley full of ditches. In the message, it says, dig ditches all over. Yeah, in, in the message. Yeah, there's your problem right there. Yeah. So a direct revelation combined with the message, which is a miserable paraphrase. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to get sound doctrine out of this thing. Over this valley. What's a ditch? I tell you what a ditch is. A ditch is a space that is created by removing something that's already there. Right. You got to dig a ditch so you can make space for because God, God wants you to make space for him. Ugh. Life's a ditch. I thought I could get away with that here at the North Campus. Anyway, anyway. Didn't use that line at Central. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> By removing something that's already there. So, you know, you, you, they're removing the dirt. Yeah, they're removing the earth. Uh, the prophet goes, make this valley full of ditches. And this was the promise. And you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. So in other words, the Lord was saying, yes, you have a need. You're in a drought and you need water. And the Lord says, I'm going to provide the water. I'm going to provide what you need. But it's not going to come the way you expect. It's going to come supernaturally, a different way. Uh, but in order for it to come, you're going to have to do something. You are going to have to give me some space. You are going to have to dig me some ditches. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know about these guys. I don't know if they dug. I mean, if they used. You have the word shovel here, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You've got to be careful. You know, sometimes things mean one thing in our language, another in yours. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they used a shovel. I don't know if they used their hands, you know. I don't know if they got the animals in, you know, start to. I, I don't know how they dug those ditches. I don't know what they used, but I know that they used faith. Because what they did is that they started to act like that water was coming, even when there was no proof or no evidence whatsoever that it was going to come. They acted on the word of the prophet and they gave God some space. And this was the outcome. Verse 20, now it happened. Oh, don't you love it now it happened? Man, I'm sensing some now it happens. I am. You're sensing some now it happens. Really? What does that feel like? Now, let's take a look at 2 Kings chapter 3 so we can see what's going on. We're going to read it from the ESV because I think that helps us a lot because... Uh, Stephen Furtick and the message translation are not doing us a favor here. They're actually hurting us. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called us three kings to give them, in, uh, to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, uh, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. Uh-huh. But now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says Yahweh, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, sh- you your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand, and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, 
and shall fell every good tree and stop up all the springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The next morning, about the time of the offering of the sacrifice, behold, the water came from the direction of Edom till the country was filled with water. Now you're going to notice here, the prophet Elisha, when he gives his prophecy, doesn't say to go and dig ditches. Instead, the prophecy just says God's going to cause this stream bed to be filled with pools. And I really do believe the ESV captures the the true sense of what the Hebrew is saying there in this text. And so the message paraphrase has led people astray. Uh, Stephen Furtick, by creating this interpretation of his own in his uh, in his book, Greater, has really deceived the body of Christ. And now this woman, who claims she's receiving direct revelation from God when she's not, uh, is further uh, confusing people. And, you know, it's just a total mess. And all of the these are empty words. This is nonsensical talk. None of this is a right handling of God's word. God is not being allowed to speak. They are literally putting a muzzle on him and keeping him from being able to be heard correctly, all in the name of direct revelation and reading from the message paraphrase and stuff like that. We continue. Yeah, in the life of people here at North Campus, I'm sensing some now it happened. No, you're not. My hubby, my hubby up there, 43 I was when I got married. I waited a while for that dude. I'm telling you, took some time for that angelic visitation to appear on, on the horizon. And, but I tell you what, after, after years of seeming like, oh, is ever, is ever going to, am I ever going to meet someone, Lord? Now it happened. Now. Yeah, see, she finally got married when she was 43. So there you go. Now it happened. And it happened when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came. That was what the prophet said it would. Water came by way of Edom. And the land was filled with water. As I said that, I just had a vision then. Of, 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 yeah, you're deceiving people. Of like a stream flowing here into this campus. A stream of water flowing from the high plate, like from the, I'm seeing a mountain and just this cool, refreshing stream. You know, people going to come. Now, if you're seeing that, it's not coming from God, the Holy Spirit. That's for sure, because you claim to be a pastor, and God's word makes it clear: women cannot fill the office of pastor. Come, and it's going to be refreshed. It's not going to dry up. The water in this church will not dry up. Yep, supply of the Spirit of God will never run dry. Um, it's as dry as a bone right now, as you're speaking. So God, God says, give, him some sp- give me some space. Yeah, no, he doesn't. You just made that up. So what they did, they removed what was already there. So what is it in your life that you could possibly... What are you hoarding that you need to get rid of so you can make some space, you know, for God? Remove in order to give God space. Number, th- number two, the second way that we can give God space is by assigning an existing space a new purpose. Right, yeah, you know, if you just reassign space thingies, then, whew, you know, that'll just fix everything. So I've been studying uh, the upper room. Uh Uh-huh. Second chapter of Acts. I'm I'm, I'm quite quite, uh, interested in this room. 
The room, I'm talking where the... Yeah, the room. Have you, have you investigated the room yet? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost. I'm talking about where the tongues of fire. Right, you know, where, yeah. You know where you know, the, the early church was birthed. I mean, you know, the rush of a mighty wind, mate. That was, that, was, mate, that was some party there on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. The upper room. A space. A space that already existed, wasn't custom built for Pentecost. It was already there. I've been curious as to what uh, what sort of space was that? I mean, was it? it? It was an upper room. Yeah, that's what the text says. Was it a function center? Was it a restaurant? 120 people were in there. I mean, most of the most of the the stuff I'm finding. Uh, it was a wedding ballroom, I'm sure. Yeah, they had a disco ball and everything. Uh, it's suggesting it was a home. Man, that's some home. 120 people. Yep, crammed into that uh, into that space. What's happening? People are looking all <laughs> pre-existing space assigned a new purpose. Some commentators even say it was the same space where they had the Last Supper, where Jesus met Nate with his disciples. Maybe they did. You never know. In the upper room, but you know what? Every time you start a connect group, your your home. Your apartment, yeah, your, your, the, the space that you should, maybe at that cafe, you know, it's a pre-existing space, but it can become a space for God. Yeah, once, once, yeah. You- right, yeah, pre-existing space now repurposed for God. Woohoo! I gotta make space for God. You move in, you, you, you assign it a, a brand new purpose. Yeah, so I commit this, it doesn't have to be a perfect space. It doesn't have to be something out of Home Beautiful, Vogue magazine, you know? It's space. Yeah, the schoolroom. I mean, the university classroom. I, I mean, that space can be used to be assigned a new purpose for God. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 3 to 7. I mean, there was, uh, there was a widow woman. She was in a terrible situation. She had, uh, I mean, she had no husband and she was in terrible debt. He'd left her in terrible debt. All she had was two sons. And she thought that her last resort was going to have to be to sell those sons to pay off the debt. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, I just couldn't even imagine. And wouldn't you know it, Elisha turns up again. The prophet Elisha rocks up on the scene. And he gives, he gives her a directive. He says this, verse 3, Borrow as many empty jars as you can. From your friends and neighbours. Now, this is very curious. This is this is very interesting. Borrow as many empty jars. You know what a jar is? Jar, jar. You know, jar. Everyone say jar. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so, now, a, a jar is a space. Oh yeah, man. A jar is a space. Oh, we just need to repurpose the space. Yep, it's a space. Yeah. Now. It's an empty space if there's nothing in the jar. I don't know what those jars had been used for previously. I'm Italian. I like to think it was pasta sauce. Maybe there's some olives. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is there olive oil jars? I don't, I don't know what these jars have been used for. But borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. 
Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask. This is all the lady had left. Little bit of oil. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it was filled. So let's picture it right now. Sons have gone out, borrowed jars. Mum, mum, can you imagine? Excuse me, mum needs some jars. Okay, whatever. Here, here's one, a little bit like trick or treat, you know, knock, knock, knock on the door, you know. <laughs> jars, jars, give me jars. So they've collected all these jars. Here they are. Got a little bit of oil. She starts pouring the oil. Look, 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 full. Look, 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 full. Look, look, look. I mean, there was a little bit of oil. It just keeps pouring, pouring. The miracle's taking place. I mean, this is miraculous. But what's this about? I mean, she's probably thinking, I don't know. She still doesn't know what this is about. What's going on here? I mean, I'm going to sell my sons. I've got debt. I don't know how, I don't know what jars and oil is connected to my need, but I'm going to keep doing it. Look, 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 filled. Look, look. I mean, it's continued and continued. She did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, each jar a space. And she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. No more space. No more space. Are they paying those people to sit there and go, wow, because none of this is like wow-able. It's not even wow-worthy, This, unless you're talking about... Wow, I can't believe how nonsensical this is. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil. Oh, there you go. There's the connection. Sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. As a miracle. I mean, this woman's life was immediately turned around. They didn't have to lose her family. It's just incredible. Why? Because she gave God some space. Tell your neighbor, give God some space. Yeah, she earned that miracle because she gave God some space. No, God promised to do that for her because God is gracious and kind. He did this out of his fatherly, merciful kindness. It was a gift from God. Space. Tell the one you ignored the first time, give God some space. Third way we can give God space. Third way we can give God space is to create something new. Build something new. Noah built an ark. God did a miracle of deliverance. He had to start from scratch. Actually build. Yeah, because he built the ark. Then God was able to do a miracle of deliverance. Build something new. Solomon built the temple. Moses built the tabernacle. So what are you building? You know, you build something from scratch. There can be businesses. I see some of you young people. Are you building businesses? Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe how blatantly awful this is. Stepping out into the business arena. And as you build a business, you are creating a space for God to fill. For God to do something supernatural. Every church, every new campus, every new connect group is a space for God. Something that's new. Something that is started from scratch. What is it that you, what is it that you could, could build? What is it? What, is there something new? Something new. I, I... These are such empty words. This woman is just literally spewing 
I mean, she might as well be Charlie Brown's teacher. Totally empty words. I mean, really, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Creating something new. Oh, but there's no evidence anyone would come. We've got to build it first. Didn't you watch Field of Dreams? You've got to build it before they come. Right. You get your theology now from Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. What on earth? That's a bit spooky, that movie. I mean, that's a bit creepy. <laughs> Please, not the, not the doctrine according to Field of Dreams. <laughs> but uh, you get the idea. I mean, God gave me a vision to impact the continent of Europe. Uh, yeah, no, God didn't give you any visions. You, you are deceived and deceiving. A few years ago, I just found every time I went there, my ministry just went to a whole other level. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on in Europe right now. But I started going before the current refugee crisis, before, uh, you know, the political changes going on. And I discovered that Europeans are hungry for a, for a, a, a Christianity that is relevant. They've seen dead religion and they want the real thing. Oh, Europe is post-Christian society. No. Yeah, dead religion would be a so-called Christianity that doesn't believe in the authority, inspiration, and inerrancy of the Word of God. That creates dead religion faster than you can say uh, European Union. No, no. A post-Christian is we've heard the message and we reject it. We've got a whole generation there now that have never heard the message. It's pre-Christian. It's done the cycle, Yeah. I love ministering over there. doesn't matter where, anywhere in Europe. So God gives me this vision. Uh, for many years, my main mode of operation has been by invitation. So a church will invite me to come. And uh, as a part of that, they will cover my expenses. They'll cover my, uh, my flight, my hotel. And then uh, I don't charge um, a fee. I just come and receive what I'm blessed by, right? That's just how I've operated for the best part of 25 years. But the Lord said, for your point, you do it different. It's not always going to be invitation, Vic. It's going to be initiation. And so when you initiate something, you also bear the brunt of uh, expense, of the cost. Uh, so I'm saying, okay, God, ha- um, I called the vision Heart for Europe because uh, i got a heart for Europe. It was as deep as that. Yeah, I call it Heart for Europe. Pastor Phil Pringle said, give it a name, Vic. Vic, give it a name. Um, <laughs> heart, heart, heart for Europe. Heart for Europe. I looked it up online. Someone else had heart, F-O-R, Europe. Uh, so I did mine heart, number four, Europe. Is just, honestly, just as spiritual as that. And, and I said, Lord, heart for Europe. When you, when you live on the other side of the world, that's quite an expensive exercise. Part of me kind of wished it was heart for Bali because it's a lot closer and a lot cheaper to live, a lot cheaper to travel. I mean... <laughs> I went to I went to Denmark for the first time a few months ago, Copenhagen. Uh, this is a, this is an aside. This is just just filling you in on the cost of, uh, of of living in Denmark would have to be the most expensive, I think, of the European nations. I stayed in a hotel, three star hotel, um, and I, I I'd been given a quote which I thought was for the entire stay. It turned out to be for for, for the for, per night, three star hotel, nearly five hundred Aussie dollars a night. <laughs> so I'm saying, Lord, half for Europe. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, Vicky, bring me some jars. Give me a space. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, 
Well, start by opening a bank account. Open a bank account and call it Heart for Europe. I mean, I had no, no money put aside for it at that point. I had no partners. There, there was, I wasn't even really, you know, sharing the vision at that point, but, uh, created an account. So I did. So what was I doing? Giving God space. Yeah. I mean, there, there's money. Yeah. She obeyed that direct revelation from God. And so that's why she's preaching on this because she heard it directly from God. She's preaching it as if it's a biblical truth. Uh huh. Come, not saying that it comes, it goes, but it's still a space where God has been able to do something supernatural. Maybe you have a dream. There's something that you think, oh, gee, I would love to go to Bible college. Oh, wow. I would love to do that missions trip. I'd love to put aside a time. I'd love to see all of these false prophets, prophetesses, and pastrixes and false teachers like you repent and step down. Time, a season, interning here in the life of the church. I would, uh, I would love, to, I would love to, I would love to build a home, but Vicky, it's impossible. I mean, I'm, I'm a single parent. I mean, maybe you'd say, oh, Vicky, you know, the, every, you know how many times I've heard since I've been here. I mean, I landed on Wednesday. If honest, so many people said to me, oh, California is so expensive. California is so expensive. So expensive in San Diego. And try living in Sydney. I, I think we're even one up on you. You know. But I understand it's relative. I understand your pain. I totally get it. But, you know, can I encourage you? Perhaps open a bank account called house account. Uh, open a bank account, uh, you know, interning account. Uh, open a bank account, uh, missions trip. I, I don't know, that dream, that thing that looks absolutely impossible, create a space for God and see what he does. Can have the worship team return, please? God just gave me a thought, not even in my notes. There's some of you here tonight. Oh, this is really fresh revelation. I mean, she. this is just in. I mean, God just gave it to her right now. Oh, man, this is so much fresher than, you know, what you can find in your Bible. That stuff's like really old and stale. I mean, thousands of years old. This is hot off the, you know, the press. This is straight out of the revelation, you know, uh, oven, you know. And there's a space in your life because of the decision of someone else. Uh-huh. And wasn't a space that you were looking for. It wasn't a space that you, they just up and left one day. And that space where you used to have your husband or your wife doesn't, ex- it's empty. That, that space was filled. You had someone by your side. But now there, there's a space, there's the space that was filled by the, the, you know, the father, the mother. It's not there where we have loved ones who pass. And then there's a space. It wasn't our prayer. It wasn't our choice. It, it nothing to do with us. It just, it just happens. And there can be spaces in our life that are grievous, that business that went under, um, the job that we lost and now we're unemployed and there's a space, this whole yeah, unexpected space. Yes. Space There's like 10 hours in the day where we used to work. And now they're, they're, there's this space. I feel to say to you today, if you, uh, Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience, getting ready to do business with these people, to invade their spaces and things like that. None of it is even remotely true. Every word from her mouth was totally empty. God hasn't even spoken in this sermon because she has muzzled him claimed to be speaking for him, and everything she said, none of it is even biblically true. 
standing or you're faced with a space that you didn't create and you didn't want, commit it as a space under God. Call that space sacred. Call that space holy. And believe for God to do something to fill it in Jesus' name. I'm talking about the boyfriend, the girlfriend that left you, whatever the case might be. Yeah, God can fill space. You know what? I tell you what, the most most amazing space that we all have is the space of our heart. Yep, space of our heart. And I tell you, God loves Amazing space. How I need to work that one out. Yeah, you get the point. To fill the space of our heart. I don't know you all here tonight, and I don't know whether you have all made that decision to, to give God your heart, to ask the Lord Jesus into your heart. I did that many years ago as a 19 year old in a Christmas Day church service. I heard a message. I'd be brought up in a Catholic home. So I'd, I'd seen Jesus on the cross every day of my school education. But I'd never made a connection between what, that, what I saw, that image, and, and the feeling of the space that I had in my heart. I knew something was missing. I was very conscious that, 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 that there needed to be more. And I tried looking for it in all different places. I tried a lot of Eastern religion and New Age stuff, even tried to astral travel. I didn't get anywhere, but I did try. But you know, when I heard this message, Christmas Day, preached from John 10, 10, actually, it says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. For me, it was... Yeah, a- Jeremiah 23, 11, out of context. Go read the context and you'll see that promise is not a universal promise that applies to Christians today. Nope, it was a promise specifically made to the um, the exiles in Babylon. Yeah, look at the context. It's right there. It's a light bulb moment. Abundant life. Abundant life. I thought that's what I'm looking for. I could never have articulated it, to be honest. I would have said I was looking for a cause. I was looking for a purpose, the meaning to life. But abundant life, I'm thinking, wow, is that even possible? And it was, you know what? That day... I was given an opportunity to open up the door of my heart. Jesus knocks on the door of our heart and he was knocking and I chose to open up that door. Aren't you great? Yeah. Wow. All glory to Vicky. Yeah. All praise and glory be to Vicky. Ask him to come and fill the space of my heart. It's an amazing thing. At that moment, when you make that decision to receive Jesus, an incredible thing happens. Bible says we change spiritual address. We relocate. We go from death to life. We go from darkness to light. Well, this is true about every penitent believer in Jesus Christ. You haven't preached repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And what's more, we receive eternal life starting now. My my family thought it was a phase. They, They thought I joined a cult, actually. I was renowned for never finishing anything. You know what? Nearly 40 years later, it's the longest phase I've ever been in. Best decision I've ever made. It was remarkable. Started to work on my fears. I was so full of rejection and fear. Started to discover God had a plan for my life. 
this daughter of an Italian taxi driver, nothing special about me, but I've been amazed at what God, God has given me the privilege of doing, of what I've seen, what I've experienced myself. But you know, at the end of the day, Jesus is the prize. Nothing, if I was honestly, all this was to go. Well, if Jesus is the prize, this sermon is pretty much prize-free, if you know what I mean. No one ever heard of Vicki Simpson ever again. And I hope I never hear of you ever again. Jesus is, the, Jesus is the prize. He's the one who fills the space. Yeah, okay. I think you get the point. That was miserable. And the reason why it was miserable is because, number one, she should never have been preaching. God's Word forbids her doing what she did. She is not a pastor. The office of pastor is an office created by Christ and in his church. And he has made it very clear in the written word of God that only men can fill that office. Yeah, pastor is not a title. Uh, you should you should understand that. It's not a title that you can just slap on to somebody. You know, this guy is the pastor of finance. Eh, wrong. Pastor is an office. Read your Bible and you'll see. And, of course, if you look in uh, yeah, at the uh, archives of Fighting for the Faith, type in pastor in office, I've done episodes of Fighting for the Faith where we dug deep into the biblical teaching on this. I'd recommend that. So uh, Vicki is not a pastor. She should not be preaching. She then gets up and preaches as if she hears directly from God and preaches her so-called direct revelations as if they're Bible truth and then brings out-of-context passages into bear you know, to support the doctrine that she's teaching from her direct revelation. Talk about a mess. This is about as train wrecky as you can possibly get. And who gets you know shoved to the side? Christ does. And does God get to speak? Not at all. His word is absolutely made void and twisted, and he is silenced while these people are chattering on. What a mess. What'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.